Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the word of God that has stood the test of time. As the enemy of our soul and, and the, the enemy of men and, and men themselves has tried to snuff out your word, you have supernaturally sustained it through centuries. But as precious as this word written on paper is to us, Lord, there's a word that is even more precious. And that is the word that has became flesh and dwelt among us. The living word of God. The word that makes this, these words on paper come to life. The word that produces life within our very souls. The word that causes our minds to be renewed and be transformed into the likeness of our born-again spirits. Father, we just thank you this morning for the word. We expect that this word would produce faith in our lives and that it would transform us more and more, transform our minds, renew our minds to who we are in Christ Jesus. We thank you for it this morning, and we celebrate you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So last week, you know, the way that you guys were receiving last week, I thought, man, can I really be preaching this bad? So I had to go back and listen to the message to see what was up. And what I came to the conclusion is that you must have been really uh, processing the message because uh, the message was good. So, <laughs> no. But what, I say that lightheartedly and jokingly, but what, what we've been talking about for the last, we're going on three, three weeks now, it should be fundamental. It should be common sense within the body of Christ, but unfortunately it's not. For a lot of people, this is, this is brand new to you, that you, to find out that you don't have to sin, that you are not a sinner. That there's, that there's not an evil part of you within you. Most Christians, and, and, and the thing of it is, is when you hear the true gospel, when you understand the true gospel, you realize that it is a faith. It is a faith. So many people think, why is it so easy to be saved, but so hard for me to have faith for healing? Why is it so easy for me to be saved, but is it so hard for me to trust God for my finances? It just seems like it takes a lot more faith for that. No, it's because we don't use faith in our salvation. We trust God for something that's totally out of our control, for the afterlife. But Jesus didn't come to save you just for the afterlife. He came to save you for the right now. And by faith, we have to see our identity and who we are in Christ Jesus, this new creation. And, and the Bible uses all these very interesting, symbolic things in the natural to proclaim a truth that happened to us in the spiritual. And the one thing that we looked at was circumcision. Circumcision. Right? I mean, the circumcision is throughout the whole Bible, but you never hear it talked about, and the reason why you never hear it talked about is because people don't 
like the implications of what it means in the Spirit. That in the Spirit you were circumcised from that old sinful nature. It was cut off. It was thrown away, left in the pit of hell where it belongs, and you have become a new creation. And as and, and I don't care if this makes you uncomfortable, but because you, you got to realize this, as crazy as it would be for a man to wake up in the morning and see that his circumcision has become uncircumcision, I mean, that'd be a shock. So, too, should it be just as insane for a believer that has been circumcised in the Spirit to now say, I have to wrestle with my old sin nature. But that's where religion peddles. Man-made religion peddles that. And what do we do? Instead of focusing on the truth of our identity in Christ Jesus, what we do is repentance. You have to repent from your sins. How about this? How about we preach the gospel and not sin? Repentance. And we got the Protestants here that, you know, repentance looks like this. You come up and you confess your sins and you got tears coming on your face. I'm never going to do it again. Then you go out and do it again. Then you come back and do it again and over and over and over again. That endless cycle. And then we have our Catholic brothers and sisters, where if, as long as you go to the mediator and go into a booth and uh, confess your sins to the, to the priest, then he'll give you a certain amount of prayers to do repetitively over and over again, and then you're okay until you do it again in this endless cycle. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. We have to see ourselves and who we are. Right believing leads to right actions. If you believe that you're a sinner, guess what you're going to do? You're going to sin. And like I said last week, as crazy as it is, the reason why I don't wear stilettos and little miniskirt and halter top is because I'm a man. And the reason why you should not sin is why? Because you are a child of the living God. You are righteous and holy. And also, we've got to make sure that our, what we consider sins are really sins, not just man-made religion also. The biggest, the biggest sin of them all that, we, that religion commits all the time is self-righteousness and pride. So we've seen so far, according to Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, that our old nature was circumcised of the sinful nature when you were born again and trusted in Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we learned that our old inner nature has passed away and God has given us a, a completely new nature, the very nature of God. In Romans 6, 6, we've learned so far that our old inner self was immersed into Christ in a mystical union on the cross and has been crucified. We are no longer slaves to sin. Amen. You are no longer a slave to sin. We have already died once with Christ, never to die again. You will never die again. And you're... Your physical death, that's not death. 
That's just stepping in into a greater life. And that body isn't going to stay in the ground forever either. It's going to be recreated. The, the corruptible will made, be made incorruptible in Christ Jesus. That's awesome. Our sinful nature has been circumcised. It has been removed. We have been raised up with Christ in new life, with a new nature. You have a new nature inside of you, the very nature of God. All of this is done supernaturally, not by works, not by religious duties, but by grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at what Romans 6, 7 says. Romans 6, 7, For he who has died has been freed from sin. Do you believe that this morning? Do you accept that, trust in that by faith? He who has died is freed from sin. A dead person can't sin anymore. Do you know that? Guess what? You have died. When have you died? You have died in Christ. The Woos translation, it's, it's one of the most, um, most accurate translations of the New Testament. It says, for the one who died once for all stands in the position of permanent relationship of freedom from the sinful nature. You are totally free from the sinful nature. The Jerusalem Bible puts it this way. When a man dies, of course he has finished with sins. I've shared this with you before, but it came to my remembrance, so you get it again. Augustine, you know, he, he liked to, he liked to uh, visit the uh, women of the night, the uh, brothels. And when he got born again, he was walking down the street, and one of the women yelled from the, the window, Augustine, it is I. And Augustine's reply back to her was, yes, but it is no longer I. See, he understood the identity that he had in Christ Jesus, that he is a new creation, that he is no longer under the control of the sinful nature. But the issue is, is that the word clearly says that we have been freed from sin. Jesus' own lips says, if the Son shall set you free, then you are freed indeed. And he was talking about um, a slave to sin. He who sins is a slave to sin. So many people think that, well, I don't do that church stuff. I'm not in bondage. I'm not in that religion. I don't have those chains on me. I'm free. I live free. I do what I want to do. No, you're not. You are a slave to sin. You, are, you have believed the delusion that living your own way, living according to the flesh, is freedom. But it always brings death. So due to the fact, due to this fact, though, the problem is, is that Christians still sin. Right? Christians still sin, and so what we do is we mistakenly conclude that we still have a sinful nature. Why? Because we believe our circumstances more than we do the Word of God. Do you see how we teach that in healing? We teach that in, in um, believing God for prosperity and, and blessing, that you can't look at your circumstances. You've got to trust in the Word. Why haven't we taught it 
when it comes to sin. The reason you still sin is because you don't believe. Do you see how it's a faith? I don't believe that I'm free from sin. I don't believe that I'm not in bondage to sin. I don't believe that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I don't believe that the power of the the Holy Spirit dwells in me. I don't believe and I don't trust my Heavenly Father that He loves me and this momentary gratification of the flesh is truth for my happiness, not the plan that my Father has for me. That's how God punched me in the nose. (laughs) That sin is a lack of trust that your Father loves you and wants to give you all good things. So what do we do? Because we believe the circumstance, our circumstances more than we believe the Word of God, we believe that we, have a sin, we must have a sinful nature because we still sin, and this keeps us in this demonic cycle of dying to ourselves over and over when we've already died in Christ Jesus. The gospel is not a proclamation of dying over and over and over again but it's a proclamation of you coming alive in Christ Jesus. You have already died in Christ. Now we have to renew our minds of coming to new life in Christ. Just like an onion, you just start peeling back the layers and you see more of the beauty of the gospel and who you are in Christ Jesus. This is good. This will transform your life. This will transform your life. So why do Christians still sin? Why did you sin on the way to church this morning? See, we can never base truth on our experiences. Instead, we have to let our experience, we should, instead, your experiences should be dictated by truth. See, we do this so, so much, so-and-so, was an awesome saying of God and God's promises didn't work for them. Or this man of God, he preached and he preached to thousands and hundreds of thousands and he ended up in adultery or stealing from the church. And so those experiences that we experience, then all of a sudden we, it builds our doctrine and our theology. And we should never allow experiences to dictate our theology. We should always let the word of God be true and every man a liar. When we base our thinking on the word of God rather than experience, it will lead us to the following three reasons why people still struggle with sin. Number one, maybe you're not born again. If you're not born again, if you haven't had, if the, if, the, if the strong man hasn't been removed out of the house and you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, you have a sinful nature in you. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings that circumcision. The Holy Spirit is the one that cleanses you. The Holy Spirit is the one that fills you with the fullness of God. 
So if you're still sinning, habitually sinning all the time, maybe you need to be born again. And only you know if you're born again. Just like only me and my wife knows that I'm circumcised, only the Father and you and our bridegroom, Jesus Christ, knows if you've been circumcised in the Spirit. And you're sitting here thinking, Chad, you're making me doubt my salvation. And what I would say is if you can doubt it, you should. This is something you don't want to be in doubt about. So this morning, if you're not born again, it's easy. It's all by grace and it's all through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I'm, come and talk to me. Second, maybe no one told you the gospel truth, that you don't have to sin, that you're free from sin, which would be a what? It would be an unrenewed mind, right? Maybe you just don't know that you're free from sin. Maybe you don't know that the, the prison doors are open. Actually, Jesus ripped the bars right off the hinges, and you can walk out and be free. That sin no longer has control over you. This world has no more control over you. So if you answered, number one, that yes, I am a believer, I am born again, and number two, I I know this truth of the gospel, then there's a third reason. And this is, you're not going to like. You choose to. You choose to sin. You give in to temptation because of lack of trust in your lovingly Heavenly Father, and you choose to trust the lie of sinful temptations to meet your momentary needs. The question. Who told you that you have to sin. Who told you you have to sin? We should, we should question the things that we believe. Who told you that you have to be a sinner? That little voice in you that, oh, you're no good, you'll never amount to anything, you're always going to be a sinner, you're, al- you're always going to be controlled by this habit. You're always going to be a bitter person. You're always going to be negative. You're always going to be filled with fear. Here's something I would like to, this is a little rabbit trail, but what if we believed God as much as we believed our fears? What if we believed God as much as we believed our fears, our worry, and our anxiety? See, There is that enemy of our souls and our old, unrenewed conscience that continually goes to the negative. Maybe it's religion that's told you that you're just a sinner saved by grace. And you need to repent. And you need to 
just go through that religious routine over and over and over again and be miserable like I am. No, you don't have to sin. Remember what God said to Adam and Eve when they took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? They took from the knowledge of tree and good and evil, and all of a sudden they became conscious. They received a conscious. They, they were conscious of what they interpreted as good and what they t- interpreted as evil. And all of a sudden they were naked and ashamed, and they hid. And God shows up and says, who told you that you were naked? God never said, you're naked and that's wrong. Who told you you have to sin? Who told you that you're a sinner? Your Heavenly Father hasn't told you that. Jesus hasn't told you that. The Holy Spirit is not convicting you of that. We just studied that and strengthened your heart that the Holy Spirit, not only does he not, does not, he, not, only does he not condemn us, but he doesn't convict us of sin. Most people will say that, most religious people will say, well, the Holy Spirit, he doesn't, he doesn't convict or condemn you of sin, but he will convict. No, you can't find one instance in the Bible where the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. After the born-again believer, after they're born again. In the unborn-again believer, there's only one sin, one missing the mark that he convicts them of, and that's not believing in the Son of God. Go study it out if you don't believe me. Temptation does not come from within, but from without. Sinners are not tempted. Only born-again believers are tempted to sin. And the very, the very idea that you're tempted to do something, and there's inside of you say, I'm tempted, but I don't, that's not right. I'm not doing that. Something inside of you is telling you that is proof that you're born again. See, sinners, they're not tempted. The only restraint in our civilization here in the United States is laws. I'm not going to commit adultery on my wife because she'll take half of everything. There's a law. There's a reason why they choose not to sin. But the born-again believer has something within them that restrains them, that says that's not right. You shouldn't do that. That's not who you are. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you of your righteousness. Before you were born again the Holy Spirit, and filled with the Holy Spirit, sin was on the inside, wanting to get out through the works of the flesh to produce death in your life. You used to have a sinful nature that was in you. The Holy Spirit has totally circumcised. It was crucified. It's gone. It's dead. But before all of that, there was this nature within you that want that of sin and sin wants to manifest itself through the works of the flesh. Now that you're saved, sin is on the outside trying to get in through temptation to stop the fruit of the Spirit and to rob 
kill, and destroy. It's no longer the sinful nature that is driving you, but temptation that now is luring you. One is internal, the other is external, but both are looking for the same results. But there's a big difference there. There's a huge difference. One is internal. It used to be you. There's nothing you could do about it. You could do all the the man-made rituals, all the religious routines, all the things. You could discipline your flesh, but that's who you are. You can't change who you are. But God can. And when you're born again, you are circumcised of that old, fallen, Adamic nature that was produced through the God of this world and through Adam. And a new nature was put in you, the very nature of Jesus Christ himself. So now it's no longer my identity. You are a child of God. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and sins on the outside, and that's not you. That's a huge difference. But sin is trying to do the same thing in our lives that it's doing in those that are, have not awakened to the truth of Jesus Christ, and that's to rob, kill, and destroy, to kill God's children. And whether people acknowledge it or not, even those that aren't born again are God's children. They're just prodigals that haven't come home yet. It's a huge difference, and you need to see yourself that way. You need to see sin is no longer my identity. Sin is an enemy on the outside trying to get in. How many of you would put up with a rattlesnake in your living room? You want. Some might say, that when, I, that when we sin, it's proof that we have a sinful nature. Not so. Not so. that We don't, we don't base our, our truth on our experiences. The reality is that it's, it is possible to sin and yet not have a sinful nature. You know that. You know the Bible clearly teaches that. Consider Adam and Eve. Did God create them with a sinful nature? No, he was created in his image. In his likeness, he created them. Man and, and, and woman, he created them. He created them perfect. When he got done, he says, it is well good. It's good. Good stuff right there. Nothing in them was driving them to sin. Sin came from the outside in the form of what? Temptation. Temptation. Sin was on the outside because they had no sin within them. And sin was on the outside and it came in the form of temptation and they chose to sin. They were tempted to sin. They were lured to sin. As long as we are on earth, we will always have to resist against temptation. But the good news is, is once once you win a battle, once you realize that you're more than a conqueror and that Jesus has already destroyed the enemy and, and that you are in total freedom and that the lie, the delusion of, of sin, sin and the delusion of temptation and the delusion of the lust of the flesh, it just evaporates when you start seeing yourself as who you are. We are believing a lie. 
when we think that we are in bondage to sin in the fallen nature. How about Jesus? Adam and Eve, they didn't have a sinful nature and yet sinned. How about Jesus? In Philippians 2, 6-7, it says, Who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of his attributes, which make God God, do not think, did not think his equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant, a slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. Jesus was born human. Even though he was 100% God, he stripped, he allowed himself to be stripped of all his attributes that made him God and was born a human being. He was made a human being. He needed to eat. He needed to sleep. He needed to go to the toilet. He was in every way like us, but without a sinful nature. He was not born of Adam. He was born of his heavenly father. That's why they had to have a virgin birth. Does that make sense? So whenever you hear someone trying to write away the virgin birth, they're writing away the gospel. Jesus could not be born of man. He had to be born of his father, our father in heaven. So he was born just like us, but without the sinful nature within. Even though he did not have a sinful nature, was he still able to be tempted with sin? Well, we had the Mount of Temptation as an example. But Hebrews tells us in 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot synthesize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus did not have a sinful nature. He was just like Adam and Eve, no sinful nature. And he was tempted in all points the same way all of us are tempted. And guess what? He never sinned. He never sinned. This, with the example of Adam and Eve, confirms temptation without a sinful nature is possible. The question then becomes, can we resist it or, we, or must we give in to it? We know that Adam and Eve gave in to it, but Jesus did not. But he was God, you're going to say. He was God, but we just read that he stripped himself, everything that made him like God. Yes, he was God, but he was made like us. He was made like us so that we also can be tempted and stay strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. He is our example. He shows us how to live. Trusting in the Father. The fact is that it is up to us to choose to resist temptation in the power of the Holy Spirit. It was possible for Jesus, and it is possible for us. It is possible. A gun. A gun in itself is not good, and it's not evil. It's what they say is amoral. But if you put it into the hands of of a certain individual, all of a sudden the gun be can become good or evil. It can be 
a very good thing in a cornfield with geese flying in. Or in that deer blind. Or in a bank robbery when the police show up. Or in the hands of our military that protect our liberties and freedom. So it can be a good thing. But in the hands of a robber or hands of someone that looks to do harm, someone that is trying to kill, steal, it can be a very evil thing. In the hands of, of the ignorant that don't know how to handle a gun, it can be evil. Right? Ignorance is not bliss. You can be ignorant on some spiritual truths and it can kill you. Just as long, the same as being ignorant with a gun. Money. Money is not evil and it's not good. Even though the religion tries to tell you that it's evil. Money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money is the root of all evil. It just depends on whose hands it's in. You put a million dollars in one man's hand and he can start a strip club. Put a hand, put a million dollars in another man's hand, he can build an orphanage. So what is, what, why am I saying all this? Your flesh, your body, is not good or evil. It's amoral. It is the mind, the soul of a person that is in control of the flesh that can cause it to be good or evil. In Romans chapter 6, verse 13, it says, Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. The Amplified Version puts it this way. Do not go on offering. Don't you love the, the words of this? Just picture yourself. You're offering your body to sin. Do, n- do not go on offering your members of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but offer yourselves to God in a decisive act. This is a decision that you must make and a decisive act as those alive raised from the dead to a new life and your members, all of your abilities sanctified, set apart as instruments of righteousness yielded to God. So many people think that when I, when you read scriptures like this, they just picture, so that means I can't, have any fun for the rest of my life. No, no, no. God wants you to have fun. A matter, matter of fact, He wants your party to last forever. And if you party the way God wants you to party, it will last forever. It's when we do things contrary to how God designed us to work and live that the party ends. It ends through Sickness, it ends through disease, it ends through poverty, it ends through 
hatred. It ends through bitterness. It ends through depression. It ends through suicide. God wants you to party forever. As a matter of fact, he's, he, he's got a big party waiting for us in, in eternity. He, he's, ever since Jesus rose from the dead, he's been preparing this banquet. That's going to be a party. And the Bible says that there's going to be wine there. If you are under the control of the unrenewed natural mind, your body will do whatever you are being tempted to do. It cannot sin on its own. Your, sin, your body can't do anything on its own. Your mind tells your arm to do this. It is what you allow it to do that is righteous or evil. This is good. This has taken so many of the enemy's lies away this morning. And as Pastor Tom spoke about, you can't just hear this once. You need to hear it over and over and over again. That's why I always come back. We preach lots of series, but I always come back and preach this straightforward gospel. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, you guys should all know this scripture pretty good. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and your soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not just a hunk of meat. You're not even like an animal that has a, a body and a soul. Right? Because animals have emotions. They have wills. They'd rather eat this dog food than that dog food. They have desires. But you're not an animal because you have a third part called a spirit. You're not just a hunk of meat. You are comprised of a spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live in a body. Your soul needs to be controlled by your spirit, not by your natural flesh. Because when your soul, your emotions, your desires are controlled by the Spirit, then your flesh has to do what the other two say to do. But when your soul is, to, is controlled by the flesh, it shuts down what the Spirit is wanting to do. You understand that? Your soul needs to be controlled by your spirit and not by the natural, the natural flesh. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. This is the Phillips translation. It says, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice. Remember, your bodies are not sinful. They're not evil. And they're not good. It's what you do with them that makes them evil and good. He says, I, I beg you, because of God's great mercies and God's awesome plan for your life and, and the joy that the Lord wants to give you, give your bodies to God. And a living sacrifice, 
consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of true maturity. You see that that it's all about right thinking and right believing. Your identity, who you are, what you believe about yourself is the way that you live, the way that you act. You act accordingly. If you've been told you're stupid all your life, guess what's going to happen? You're going to believe that you're stupid and you're going to act stupid, even though you could be an Einstein. There are so many people, Einstein was one of them, that was told that they were stupid, but had a mom or a dad or somebody in their life that says, that is not you. And they believe the truth rather than the lie. Christians still sin because of temptation. Sin is trying to work its way into our bodies and because of worldly thinking left over from times prior to our salvation, right? I really loaded up on a lot of junk before I started walking in the kingdom. There's a lot of renewing. If if it was possible, there probably was times where you could see smoke coming out of my ears because of so much renewing going on. And I'm still renewing. I'm still renewing. Sin trying to work its way into our bodies and because of worldly thinking left over from times prior from salvation, it's trying to, we, we sin. We, we have these sinful actions because of our wrong believing. Our Father's solution to this problem is twofold. Number one, to present your body to him and not to temptation so sin cannot get in. Do you know it's not wrong to be tempted? So many people are condemned because they have a sinful thought, a, or sin, a, a, a temptation to be sinful. No, that's, that's proof. Every time you're tempted, you say, glory to God, I'm born again. I'm being tempted to do something contrary to my identity. Well, most people say, if I'm being tempted with this, this must be who I am. Maybe, maybe God's salvation didn't work. Maybe I'm not born again. No. No. You're being tempted to act contrary to who you are. What did they, what did they tempt Adam and Eve with? If you eat this, God knows that you'll be like him. Who was Adam and Eve already? Created like him. Jesus, turn this. If you are the Son of God, do this. If you are the Son of God, do this. If you are the Son of God, do this. Trying to get him to prove who God already said he was. All sin is the enemy trying to get you to deny who you are in Christ Jesus. 
Deny your royalty. Deny your birthright in Christ. The second thing God says to do to resist Satan is renew your mind by surrendering your worldly thinking to the Word of God and His way of thinking. I'm sorry, but this takes some application. The only way that you can get the Word of God in your minds, renew your minds, is to shut off the world and tune in to God. And it's interesting how Pastor Tom talked about this stuff earlier, and it's true. There are so many resources, so, and, and, and it's, there's so many ways of hearing the gospel, hearing God's word, hearing his truth, very entertaining ways. We have music that proclaims the goodness of God and who you are in Christ. You can choose to listen to that, or you can choose to listen to shake your booty and get on the dance floor. We need to see ourselves in God. And if you don't like the way music is today in Christian music, or you don't like the way it's preached today, or you don't like the avenue that it's happening, guess what? You do it your way. Because I guarantee you, there's a million other people that like it the way that you like it. And they're just waiting for someone to... Proclaim the message in a way that they can receive it. We have YouTube, Facebook Live. We have so many things, avenues to receive and also to give. Your bodily appetites and desires, your body has, let me rephrase that, has appetites and desires. And we must not confuse them with the sinful nature that has been circumcised away. The desires of the sinful nature is evil and will end up in sin. In contrast, the desires of the human body are natural, yet they do have the potential of getting out of control when we allow our bodies to dictate what we do. For example, eating. Eating is a human body desire, right? You would die if your body didn't have the desire to eat. But how many of us know that that desire can be get out of control? Sex. God has given you a desire for sex. He's given you a sex drive. And it's a beautiful thing. It's meant to be enjoyed. It's not just for procreation. It's actually part of the marriage covenant of joining a husband and wife and being able, it is part of procreation, though also that you get to produce offspring, that you get to share the love of God with, just so you could be imitators of God because God had a family. It was a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he said, let's make children. Let's make man in our image so we can love on them. And that's why we have kids, so we can love on them. Give them all our money. But anyways, I digress. Sex can be a good thing, but when it gets out of control and all of a sudden it is, you are being controlled by that desire, by that drive, it becomes an ugly thing. 
It becomes something that's not sacred. It's not holy. It becomes something that, that brings us into bondage. It, it becomes something that, that robs. Something that God created to be awesome, it all of a sudden becomes evil and robs and kills and destroys us. You want to know how you don't get any STDs, sexual transmitted diseases? Just have sex in marriage. I just love the devil. I don't love the devil, but I just think that the way he does things is amazing. He tempts people to act contrary to God's nature. Then he brings disease and penalties for acting that way to destroy them. It's a, he's evil. But then people turn around and say that God's the one that does it. No. Anyways, your sex drive can get out of control. Why do you think we're so oversexed in our culture? We're trying to get our sex drive out of control. And it's natural. It's, it's, everybody does it. And they don't. Rest. Rest for your body. It's a function. And we need it to stay healthy. Your body needs rest. But if this natural desire gets out of control and you become lazily and slothful, it's, just, it's destructive. You see how God gave you desires and your, the desires of your flesh are not good. They're not evil. As long as you're not being controlled by those desires. These desires get out of control when your body says, that feels good, let's do it again. Right? That's what happens. Oh, it just feels good to sleep in. Or it just feels good to have another carton of ice cream. It, it, it feels good to gratify myself. And your body says, it's good, let's do it again. And let's do it again. And let's do it again. And all of a sudden, it doesn't feel as good as it used to. And it feels like it's just something that is driving me to, to do it. And, and I my, mind my body becomes addicted to it. Sin is addictive because it produces these, these wonderful things that God created us for us to enjoy, produces chemicals in our brains. smoking to the point where you're addicted to it. You weren't addicted to it the first puff, the second puff, the third puff. Your body actually <coughs> you didn't look like the Marlboro Man. But you did it over and over again and now all of a sudden your body demands it. Buttoning up your shirt when you were a kid. How many times did it take you? Three or four times and it's crooked and your mom still had to redo it for you. But now you could probably button up your shirt blindfolded. Same thing with tying your shoe. You train your body. Your body is not good. It's not evil. It's what you train it to do that is either good or evil. Your body makes no decision based on the morality of it, but by the way it makes it feel. Your spirit, though, struggles with the morality of it. 
And believers who allow themselves to be led by their bodies instead of their spirit do not have a sinful nature, but simply allow their bodies to have the upper hand in their life. Your spirit has changed through the new birth, but your soul and body has stayed the same and has carnality in them. It has carnality in them. Your body continually needs to be kept in check and your mind needs to be continually renewed by the Word of God. We all still sin. And we no longer have an excuse. We give in to temptation. To some degree, fortunately, we have a gracious God whose grace will never run out. As we learn to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, He's, he's patient with us. As we learn to walk these things out, for most of us, we've gone most of our Christian lives not even know, knowing that we're freed from sin. I mean, this is, this, is, this is radical. This is why the gospel was so radical. It has nothing to do with works. It has nothing to do with discipline. It has to do with believing who you are by faith. He never rejects us because of our sin, but will always help us throughout through complete victory in this life or the life to come. You got victory. Amen, that's right. So next week, we're going to continue with this. And we're going to allow, we're going to, we're going to steal away Satan's ability to condemn by talking about something that you probably won't ever hear most churches talk about, that because of grace, because of God's grace, why Christians could still sin, continue in sin. You're stupid if you do, but you could. That's how amazing God's grace is. That's how awesome God's grace is. That's how much love God has for you. That's how powerful the work of Jesus is. That when you come into Christ, you don't, can't bring sin into Christ. You're not going to change Christ. Christ changes you. And why are we going to teach that? Because I want you to go out and live in sin? No because it's part of the freedom package to know that I, even if I stumble, even if I fall, I have everlasting forgiveness in Jesus Christ, and that's not my identity. Then we're going to move from that. What time is it? We're going to move from that to how do we stay free from sin? And we'll be done. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word that's becoming alive within us, that it's producing faith. And we trust in the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, that we are not a slave to sin, but we have been set free. And Father, we just thank you as our minds are renewed that the Holy Spirit is going to convict us of our true identity in Christ Jesus. That we're not just a bunch of old sinners saved by grace, but we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are not wicked, we are righteous and holy. Father, we thank you. 
We thank you that the, the fog has been lifted. The blinders have been taken off. We see sin and temptation for what it is. It's an evil force on the outside trying to get in to the body of Christ to rob, kill, and destroy. And we say no more. We declare our freedom in Christ Jesus. We declare our victory over sin. We declare <laughs> temptation all you're saying to me is confirming that I am born again because I am being tempted with something that is not who I am. Father, we thank you for that great, powerful high priest, Jesus Christ, the firstborn of many brethren. We thank you for him, that he became us and showed us the way that although he was like us and tempted in all ways as we were, he had victory. He sinned not. And we can have that same victory in Christ Jesus. And it's not by works. Thank God. It's not by our religious duties or our religious routines or the, the ideas of men, but it's of your wisdom of simply trusting in Christ Jesus and seeing ourselves in Christ. For we are truly complete in him. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Amen, church. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.